Hello and welcome to another episode of Behind the Blazer. I'm your host, Scott Sempier. In this episode, I sit down with Val Starr, Dean of Students for Academy of Vocal Arts in Philadelphia. Over the decades, the AVA has enlisted boys from the choir to perform in their operas. Val has often been at the center of the unofficial partnership with the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale, being herself the mother of two PBCC alumni. In this interview, she highlights the AVA, her time as a choir mom, and how she continues to support the PBCC. Enjoy. Behind the Blazer is the official podcast for the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. For over 50 years, the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale has been entertaining audiences near and far as America's ambassadors of song. The Emmy-winning and Grammy-nominated program has toured regions and countries of all inhabited continents, performing for many dignitaries and in many of the world's premier concert venues. This podcast, Behind the Blazer, reveals the stories from the choir through interview format. I want to say welcome to the show, Val. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you for coming. First off, Val, I'm excited to speak to you today because I think that you are a wonderful part of an extraordinary organization. Can you tell us, what is the AVA? The Academy of Vocal Arts is a postgraduate program for opera singers only. Uh, the students that come to us have usually both their bachelor's and or their master's in music. They've had all their music education. Um, and to be a uh, opera singer, to go out and get a job, they have to have experience with actually learning an entire opera role, uh, rehearsing it, getting up on stage with the costumes and the orchestra and the whole nine yards and uh, doing performances. And that's what the AVA training program gives them. We're sort of a finishing school, if you will, and we give them the level of training they need before they go out to the Metropolitan Opera and La Scala and all the big houses in the world, hopefully. That's awesome, yeah. Very cool. And how did the AVA become a global institution? We are the only school in the entire world that trains opera singers and nothing else. Curtis Institute has their orchestral department. Juilliard has orchestra, dance, and everything else. So we are the only school that is doing a postgraduate program for opera singers only. And so we are training them at a level that would allow them to get a job at the best and most prestigious opera houses in the world. We have a very, very high standard of who we accept. Most years we audition something, we get about 200 applications. We have auditioned something like an average of 175 a year. And out of that, the average number of people we accept is six. Oh my goodness. Seven. So you have to be somebody who's really special in order to be accepted here. So how do you distinguish who who makes the cut? Is that part of your job or is that part of someone else's? No, I am not a musician. I okay. am an administrator. Um, I just get all the paperwork together. But we have the entire faculty, all of the voice teachers, all of the master coaches, 
they uh, right now we've gone to uh, pre-screening with videotapes and they pre-screen everyone who's coming in listen to them and anyone who is at the level we're looking for or sounds like they may sometimes the recordings can be misleading and we choose based on on what they're hearing what their experience has been in undergrads and they choose based on that okay and as far as the program itself, how long is the program? What can people expect at the end of it? Can you tell me? It is a four-year program. Okay. It is set up so that they're getting the same amount of training as they would in a Master's of Fine Arts. They don't get a degree from us. They do get an artist diploma. Okay. But we tell them if they're going to teach after they're finished singing, that we give them paperwork with their transcript and everything to show that they have qualified for a master's in fine arts level of, of uh, education, if you will, of vocal performance. Wow. They can finish the program in three years. The ones that come to us who are the most experienced and have the best voices often leave in three years because they start to get work. They'll get a manager. Our hope is that if they come here for the four years, they will end up singing for management and and be managed, and then they'll go out and sing in all the best places in the world. That's great. Have you had a chance to see some of the alumni in some of the best places in the world yourself? We, I often go up and see the singers when they make their debut at the Metropolitan Opera. It's uh, it's very fun. My favorite story is about Angela Mead. She was a cover for uh, Arnani, and the tenor was um, Marcello Giordani, and the bass was Thomas Hampson. And I got a call on my way home, and she said, "Oh my God! Oh my God! The the soprano's sick. I'm gonna make my Met debut." <laughs> And she and I were on the phone going, ah, you know, and I, I, I was in the middle of the ShopRite uh, parking lot in Cherry Hill, and people were looking at me like, what are you, crazy lady? But that was that was just like a Cinderella story. That was so amazing to, to see them go from, you know, kids with, you know, backpacks and sneakers on, right. and then all of a sudden they're international stars. So it, it, it really is very amazing, very amazing. That's really awesome. The, over the course of one of the years at the AVA, what is a what is a typical schedule look like? How many operas, how many shows, how many performances? We generally do three fully staged operas. We always try to do them with orchestra. Sometimes we'll take on a piece that the orchestration is very large and we can't do a reduction in the orchestra. So we will do a piano production because we want the students to have the experience of doing that particular opera. But generally we try and do them with orchestra because that's the training that they need. They need to be able to learn to sing with and over an orchestra. Right. Uh, So we do three to four fully staged operas. We do an in-house competition at the Perlman which everybody loves, and the audience gets to vote on the winner. We do a Russian recital, so they get a chance to learn how to pronounce the Russian and sing that rep. We do an oratorio program in the spring called Ibalate, so they get a chance to to sing some of that. We also usually schedule two to three 
random recitals where a coach will pick repertoire that maybe we don't normally do in selected pieces. Okay. And that pretty much rounds out the whole year. So they're getting rehearsals and coachings on all these different pieces of music because the one of the most important things they need when they leave AVA is a repertoire list of um, what they can sing mm-hmm. uh, and offer for jobs. Right, yeah. That's that's quite a portfolio to, to build. Yes, it is. Absolutely. When did you become a part of the AVA? Um, I originally worked with um, Maestro Macatsaurus and a number of other of the original coaches at Curtis Institute. Okay. And in 1974, 1975, 1976, there was an infrastructure I fight, I guess I'll use that word, uh, between the departments as to how each department was going to be funded and and managed and, and promoted. Mm-hmm. And the opera department didn't get what it needed. And in 1978, the opera department at Curtis came over here. The director was Dino Yiannopoulos. Chris Macasaurus came, I came, and a number of other people at the time, the librarian, you name it all came to AVA because at that time before then AVA was a little bit smaller program when all of those people and Mr. Yiannopoulos came he insisted and and the board is insisted that we make this a premier international school for opera singers so um, I came over um, in 1978 just as a wardrobe assistant okay I wasn't part of the uh administrative staff or anything and I worked for about 20 years just as a staff costume designer in 1997 when my boys were old enough for me to go back to work full-time the job that entailed the box office and admissions and office management was open so I took that and uh, became Dean of Students in 2006. Wow. So I have been with AVA for 42 seasons. It's, it's been an amazing trip. Yeah, it sounds like it. You've had a lot of experience, a lot of exposure to lots of operas, I presume. And lots of singers that are all now around the world doing different things. So consider them all to be my extended you know, family, my opera children. So. <laughs> That's really awesome. Yeah. You're still very involved in the costumes, not just the dean of students and the applicants and and whatnot, but um, I'm just thinking about what you do with the costumes to me is phenomenal. How do you... Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. How do you get to a point where you say, this is what I want? How do you make that vision a reality? Well, first, it's... It starts out with the vision of the a stage director. Okay. Um, we sit down and we go through each character, each mm-hmm. role in the opera, and he explains to me who that person is, what he expects them to be doing, colors, mindset, anything that would affect what they're wearing and the function of what they're wearing. You know, anything from, you know, small things like handkerchiefs to us doing the absolutely ridiculous fast changes in Cozy Fontute. The change in that one, that one, the the men in that opera are like a revolving door. 
and the one change for them is 40 seconds wow. and they have to go from one costume to another and then come back off and go back in them and <laughs> it is one of the most nightmarish <laughs> shows for the costumer sure. because it takes a lot of practice to get um that down pat so everybody knows exactly what they're doing when they run off stage what's being changed they go back on they come back off and it's it's uh it's orchestrated down to the nth degree to make it work yeah it sounds like you have to be a pit crew <laughs> yeah yeah you, everybody for a show like that everybody and anybody that can help people that are backstage other singers sometimes they try and help and they get in the way so we make it so we'll say okay don't do anything just stay out of the way let them off the stage and let them get to me and as they're coming off you have to take this off you have to, and i tell them what they have to do to be ready for when they get to me to take things off and put things on so it's and it takes a lot of rehearsal oh yeah it does it sounds to, like to, it. to get it down so it works that's great and and so how long does it take you to go from the stage director's input to a final product for an entire opera well, before i sit down and talk with him he will have told me what the period is for the opera okay and then i have my many 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 um costume books um and i go through all of them and i print out the pictures that i think are what he's looking for or find all the ones i've already printed out for years you know i have a, a whole repertoire of 18th century because we do that quite a bit and we'll sit down and I'll give I'll show him all the things I've come up with and he'll say this 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 and talk about colors and once that's finished and that's maybe an hour discussion okay. or so it depends on how large the show is and and how many changes and all that mm -hmm. then I go to a rental house in New York uh, they were originally started by the Metropolitan Opera it's called the costume collection they're subsidized by the National Endowment for the Arts and it is only for organizations that are nonprofit. Okay. So when I go to New York, I just finished pulling the costumes for La Favorite. It takes me about three days to go and do that. And then they're shipped down to me. I have to fit them. I have to alter them, redecorate them in some cases, wow. buy additional pieces of, you know, new shirts, shoes, things like that. I keep all those things. And so uh, there are some websites that have reproductions that are good for some of the, the shows. So we do that. But it t and then is takes the time to actually get all the alterations and the preparations done. So from the time I sit down with the director to the time the costumes go on stage, it's three weeks. Wow. And then that production week, we're still tweaking. So that uh, it four weeks is usually when we open. So it's it, from start to finish, it's four weeks. It sounds they, like a lot of pressure to make it all fit in that short window. It does, but I've been very fortunate that every year I've seemed to have one or two girls that are have hand-sewing abilities enough that they can come down and do buttons and hooks and eyes and, and all that kind of thing. Occasionally, I'll need them to help with a fast change. So, and we give those, uh, we give work study money for, for the kids to help with the wardrobe department. So, uh, I've been lucky. So, it seems to all work out. That's great. That's really awesome. And after 42 years, I think I kind of have it, <laughs> I think I kind of have it down as a science. So, yeah, I, I expect you would. That's, uh, that's over 120 shows just doing the, just the operas. I think I counted. I think we're up to more, closer to 175. Because wow. some years we did four operas. Sure. So, 
so and some uh, some uh, small recital type type operas that they decided they would put costumes. So over the years, it, it's been about one seventy five. So. And what is your favorite? If there is a favorite opera for you, be it from the um, the sound aspect, the this vocalists, or from the costume. My favorite is uh, Manolasco. That, that's my favorite opera. I really love that. I love the music. I love the whole thing. Uh, and I like costuming the 18th century the most. Okay. It, it's a very elegant period. And the other thing is there's usually more costumes available in the 18th century to rent. But I, I like that the most. I think that's my favorite to do that, any of the 18th century things. But Manolasco for music is my favorite. So. And now for a segment known as High Notes Highlights in History. In this segment, we highlight the High Notes history moments that Jeff Smith has highlighted for us. Henry Purcell, who died in 1695, is often considered the unparalleled master of English music. Known as the British Orpheus, he revolutionized setting the English language to music, and his style of writing quickly became the norm for generations. Purcell's most famous opera is King Arthur. We say opera because, in reality, it's glorified incidental music, or music that accompanies a play. Without the play itself, the music really has nothing to do with the story of King Arthur. This has been High Notes, Highlights in History. Now back to the interview. At this point, we're going to transition. This is Behind the Blazer, the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Corral podcast. And I'm here with Val Starr, who is the Dean of Students at the AVA, the Academy of Vocal Arts in Philadelphia, and I just wanted to make this connection because there is a connection between the Boys Choir and the AVA. How did that connection begin? Do you have any idea? Well, many years ago, and I'm trying to remember, we had we actually have had a couple of our students who were in the choir. Oh wow! Um, Tom Carson. Um, uh, I think he was in the very, very, very beginning, and he may have actually been in the All Philadelphia schoolboys choir before uh, dr hamilton yeah Yeah. and one of our other baritones maybe 15 years ago i think he was in uh, as a boy and then of course my two sons Mm -hmm. uh were both in the choir and they also grew up here at ava and every time we needed a child in an opera they got to be on stage whether they liked it or not although both (laughs) of them uh, enjoyed it and it was interesting that my older son uh, having, I think he was in his first opera as a little animal in Magic Flute at five. And we kind of created a, a, a stage baby uh, un, unknowingly. And he wanted to be in everything and came to be at, at age nine and said, Mom, I can sing like everybody here. And I said, well, <laughs> they've been studying a long time, Tim. You know, you, you need to, you need to, to think about this and, and do some more music and, and maybe we'll do lessons when you get a little bit older. But he said, oh, I want to take voices. And I said, well, not quite yet. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're a little young. You know, we don't want to get into Al Albert's kind of children. And he came to me and he said, but mom, my friend just got in and they need boys and, and you don't have to have training. And I said, all right, I will call. And if you, well, I'll give you an audition, fine. And Dr. Hamilton said, yeah, bring him. And he took him in and they were doing things in, in the uh, recital hall. And I thought, oh, God, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. I'm not really a musician, but anyway, it didn't seem right. <laughs> and they came out, and Tim was standing behind Dr. Hamilton, and he said, Dr. Hamilton said to me, boy, am I going to be able to teach, teach this kid to sing? 
And I'm looking, and Tim's making faces at me behind him. <laughs> and he turned out to be one a soprano soloist with a really, wow. really high soprano voice. Wow. And he was lucky enough to be one of the kids that got selected to be on Saturday Night Live with Pavarotti. Went all around the world and is, he and my younger son, I think they're the boys, the men who they are now because they got to do that. Philly Boys Choir is just an amazing organization as far as I'm concerned to give them a sense of purpose. I think music is something that helps train them to do other things, be able to study and learn the rest of their life. Having been around the world and had to homestay with people in other countries Mm -hmm. and interface with them, whether they spoke English or not, just I could never have afforded to send my boys around the world other than, you know, going with the choir. And I would say to anybody and everybody, if you have a boy who has some interest in singing, send them, because it is just an amazing experience. And even though Dr. Hamilton, who was a real character, and I love him dearly, uh, (laughs) Jeff uh, Smith is a little bit different manager of the boys, but still he and John Stroud, both of them boys in the choir, both grew up mm-hmm. to, to be, you know, are now running the choir. It, it, they're just doing an amazing job. They really are. Uh, and they're committed to the boys' mind and soul. Yes. And it's, it's just absolutely amazing. And every chance now that we get, it, get to have boys in the operas, I call Jeff up and say, hey, we need this. <laughs> Normally the kids don't sing, but we did have boys that were in the Magic Flute uh, mm-hmm. several years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we try very hard to keep that interface because it it's a, an amazing opportunity to be in the boys' choir. And I think for them to come and be in this kind of professional setting, if they're really interested in it and they have a voice that may end up being an opera, sure. it's given them an experience to, to be here and see what it's really all about. Yeah and see, you know, how hard it is. You know, my older son had uh, went from a very high soprano to a very low bass. Oh, wow. And that's not a voice that is as prevalent as tenors and sopranos. And he continued to study after he was out of the choir. He was in the corral for a little bit. Okay. And I said, well, what are we doing? Are you going on to do music? What are you doing? And he said, no, Mom, I really don't want to live out of a suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> and pay my dues. And so he said, you know, I'm going to go a different direction. And he's, he's working for the United Bank of Switzerland. But he he has everything that he learned at choir is something that made him a better person and a more effective person in his life, as far as I'm concerned. It, it's a, an amazing organization. And I still am fundraising and helping with auctions. And I think I chaired about six auctions for them and I'm always calling and saying hey what do you need you know I'll come and help with anything that's tremendous because it's it's important to keep it going you know other kids should have the same experience and I wish I could hit the lottery and give choir you know (laughs) a bazillion dollars so (laughs) every kid could go on tour because I know now it's egregiously expensive for um, the kids to go I mean it was expensive enough for us but I mean my older son's first tour was to Australia. Oh. They went for three weeks, and it cost less than $1,500. And I know these days they're down to maybe doing 10 days, and maybe it's probably double that. So mm. it's important if people have the wherewithal to help 
it's an amazing thing. And they really are ambassadors. One of my favorite stories is uh, the one tour was on the, the American Queen up the Mississippi River. Okay. And at dinner, we had certain seating. And the boys would come in and they would sing. There's a, a kind of a prayer the kids sing before dinner. Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody loved that. But at lunchtime, when you came in from wherever you were, they would seat you at whatever table had was empty. So we, we sat down and there was a, a much older couple sitting at the table. And they sat one of the younger boys between myself and, and the lady. And I saw her look at him like, oh, my God, there's a child at the table. (laughs) And by the end of that lunch, she was ready to adopt him. (laughs) Please and thank you. Yes, ma'am. You know, and he spoke with her. She asked him questions. And he was able to have a conversation with her. Sure. And that's, you know, the boys learn they have to speak to people. And that's an amazing you know, thing to learn to be able to sit down and have a conversation and not be afraid, and that that's amazing. You know. Yeah, that um, sounds like he he lived out the ambassadors of songs. He did. As you said he did for sure. He did. That was that was uh, uh that was really you know classic uh, with with you know a choir boy um, what he's learned and putting it into um, uh, into motion there with that lady at the table. She just, she was in love with him by the time she was done talking to him. So that was really good. And I think that they do that all around the world. I think, mm-hmm. you know, if the language isn't a barrier, I think that whoever they home stay with, you know, they'll talk to mm-hmm. and answer questions. And, and it's good for the kids to learn how to interface with people around the world and for people around the world to understand that, you know, these aren't a bunch of spoiled, you know, obnoxious grade schoolers these, right. these are kids that are being trying to be professional and i don't want to say sophisticated people but to to be people that can can be in the world and and, and talk to anybody mm-hmm. and and show that they are good people and americans are good people yeah so. that's wonderful and that's uh it just makes me think about when you say the ambassadors of song that's obviously you know what they what they go by but when Boys from the Philadelphia Boys Choir come to the AVA for those for those shows every so often, uh, however long it is. Right here at their at their fingertips is a world in itself with right. all the people you attract right. um, from the globe, from Mexico and and China and and all these other yeah. countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get exposed to people at the AVA and. Yeah. And can uh, interact with people of different cultures. Yeah, we have singers from all around the world. Right now we have singers from Australia, Mexico, China, New Zealand. I think that's it. Okay. But we've had, you know, people from all over we we have and it's an amazing uh, thing for us to have them here but i think even more for the boys who get a chance to come and and work with us it's another level to their learning about the world and and music for sure professional level yeah absolutely it's great exposure Mm mm-hmm Not only does the Academy of Vocal Arts engage students from around the world, but all of their students employ world-class talent. The following clip is from the AVA's performance of the Tales of Hoffman. This particular piece is called The Doll's Song. Listen not just for the soprano, but also for the supporting roles, as each student is highly trained to be able to carry and support this beautiful piece. Enjoy. What's <laughs> 
beautiful sample that was to showcase the talent fostered at Philadelphia's own Academy of Vocal Arts. And now back to the interview with the AVA's own Dean of Students, Val Starr. When your boys were in the Philadelphia Boys Choir and helping with the AVA, how did that work with their schedule? Was it a little bit uh, robust? How did that? Oh, work? it it was it was me running over, you know, and and picking them up from choir practice, or them being here for rehearsal and then running them to choir practice. So we made it work. You know, they had to be in the show, and I had to be here, and they need to be here. So we made it work. You know, a lot of running back and forth, but both of them enjoyed doing it. I mean, I think the two of them didn't understand that kids don't go go to work with mom and and get practice swords and and uniforms out to <laughs> to to play knights in shining armor in the courtyard. You know, yeah. so it was a really good experience. I think they, you know, they they really loved choir. They loved being here. They loved being having all the exposure to music. My older son, when he was five, we were doing a Don Giovanni, and he was enamored with the opera, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a really powerful one. And he insisted on two shows in a row, uh, on a weekend, sitting right in front of the violins, insisted. So we allowed him to sit there. And he... Uh, uh, the one day I drove him and a little girl in his class and her older sister, and we're talking two five-year-olds and a seven-year-old, <laughs> in my car, driving them home from school. Mm-hmm. And Timothy started to talk about Don Giovanni, and it turned out that the mom and dad were opera buffs. And I had two five-year-olds and a seven-year-old discussing John Giovanni in my car, and I said, <laughs> oh, my God, I must be doing something right. You know, so, so, so We're doing something right that, you know, and, and it... It points out that it's such a horrible shame that when they're making cuts in school music right. and going to musical performances of orchestra or opera or whatever it is are, are being cut back. We actually have an outreach program here at AVA. Okay, can you tell me about that? And we do one generally a performance for the the fall opera and the spring opera, and we do an abbreviated version of whatever opera that is and we fill the Haverford School which holds 600 kids and they come and they get to watch the opera even if it's an abbreviated version and they are all so excited and so interested it's amazing Mm -hmm. and it's a shame that that's not happening more it it really is because it's just we're finding more and more that our audience is just getting older and older mm-hmm. and uh, we're trying to reach out to the children we're trying to reach out to young professionals mm-hmm. uh, because they're just not getting it in school yeah. they're just not getting the opportunity to be exposed uh, and with everybody working the schedules they are I think a lot of people don't have time or even maybe the money to mm-hmm. say I'm going to take my kids to the Philadelphia Orchestra or I'm going to take my kids to a Philadelphia Boys Choir mm-hmm. uh, uh, performance or you know I'm going to take them to a musical at you know the Arden Theater or something like that it's just not something that everybody has the wherewithal to do anymore and if they're not getting it at school it's just not part of their lives right and not only are opera companies closing because their audiences are dwindling but I think a lot of people are not really maybe going to even Broadway as much Mm. you know 
mm-hmm. uh, because they just don't know what it is. Right. Yeah. There's not that exposure, like you said. Yeah. Uh, for me, I I wasn't exposed to opera at all until I walked in the door here and brought my son for that first show that he was a part of, and and my daughter fell in love with it right away, as you know. And we fell in love with her. <laughs> well, thank with you. With both of them. Yeah. Uh, but just recently, maybe a couple months ago at this point, I was listening to the radio and we heard one of your operas on the radio. And my daughter right away identified the opera, which happened to be in Italian. Oh, my God. And I then she identified the singer. Oh, my God. Well, See, who, when they're little, yeah. they're, they when they get exposed at a young age... It is a really amazing what they pick up and they remember. Yeah. My younger son, Alex, was, I guess, at, he was a, a beginning cadet, so he would have been maybe eight. Mm-hmm. And we were premiering Margaret Garwood's, she had written the first act of The Scarlet Letter, and we were premiering that. And he was just a boy in the course. He wasn't singing. He was just, you know, a body in, in, in The Scarlet Letter, one of the townspeople. And... I remember we had done a show at the Haverford School and we were all standing around and the mezzo was lamenting that she kind of got lost in the middle of her aria <laughs> and she she kind of kind of missed parts of it and so my son was standing here and he goes yeah you did and she looked at him and she said okay you sing it and he did <laughs> he planted his feet and just sang it back and everybody's standing there going but there, there's there's Philly Boys Choir for you he had already been in training for about a year, mm-hmm. and kids that little, when they hear it, it gets in their head and it stays there. I mean, both of them used to come from AVA, mm-hmm. and they would go home and be humming an aria. The one day, my older son, when he was in high school, I was on the phone in one room, and he was in the kitchen, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing Don Giovanni, and I'm like, wait, what's that? And I looked around, and there he is, singing La Cita Rem, and he, he had that voice, and I was like, oh my God, and he was, you know, my kids don't know Italian, but <laughs> but if, they're, if they are young, and their ear is tuned, and they're listening, they're like sponges, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. It doesn't leave them, and I think that it makes them a better person for listening to everything in their life sure. i really do yeah it expands their knowledge and their yep. opportunities and and what different cultures it exposes them yeah. to. it's beautiful yeah what do you see in the future in the relationship between the philadelphia boys choir and the ava how can boys choir and the ava continue to work together or or move forward in in that relationship we have well, uh, we will continue whenever we need children, boys, um, and even girls, because it's usually hopefully a boy will have a sister, and, and you know, I'll call it up Jeff and say, Did, you know, anybody have a sister? Hopefully offer any opportunity that there is for us to bring the boys over, whether it's singing or not, because they've already been trained and ha- have been on stage, and they understand backstage and on stage, and, and it, it it's really good. And I would hope that if the kids go back to their friends at choir and talk about their experience, it'll get back to parents and maybe more kids will will come to the opera or be interested Mm -hmm. in it. We'll get more music out to young people. And I think the interface between choir and AVA is a wonderful thing. And I'm always saying, you know, to Jeff, you know, please come and watch an opera. And, you know, if if there's anything we have that you need or 
or, you know, please, you know, we're, we're happy to do whatever we can to work with an organization that's training potentially our students for the future. So I, I think whatever we can do to continue the interface is, is good for both organizations. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. So as a final question, I just wanted to ask if if anyone out there is listening to this podcast and has never heard of the AVA or is perhaps not inclined to see a performance, what would you say to someone if they're thinking, well, maybe I should, but opera's really not my thing? What would you say? Well, first, uh, the, not every opera um, has people die. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think everybody thinks it's, you know, it's, 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 it's on and on and on and on music, and then somebody finally dies at the end, and then it's over. Um, Mozart wrote the most, Mozart and Rossini wrote almost Broadway musical craziness into their operas. I mean, Cosi Fan Tutte is one bit of nonsense after the other. It's, you know, people dressing up in costumes and, and hiding and running back and forth and, and, you know, doing changes and they're hysterical. And it, if anybody is interested, I think there are clips on our website. It's www.avaopera.org. And you can watch some of them and see what it's like. Some of the music is just gorgeous, just something to have in your head and hum and go away with. But try it. You know, people should just try it and see what it's like. And if they're not sure, call here and somebody will say, yeah, if you have never been to an opera before, come see this one because it's a good costumer. It's nobody dies and, <laughs> and it's upbeat, you know, that, that kind of thing. Or, you know, come to this one because it's just amazing music. And yeah, maybe somebody dies in the end, but getting that far is, is not. I mean, there are operas that we have done that I've gone, oh my God, Electra is beautiful music but it's a soprano running around screaming for like seven minutes at a time <laughs> and even I, I i have a hard time with that but most operas of the bel canto donizetti or, or you know the mozarts the verities are all really wonderful music and wonderful stories to unfold on stage and if people are interested in that kind of a thing they should come watch a story unfold to music uh, and it's amazing yeah and all of your performers here are students and they're all under 40 years old is that correct uh the average age of the singer that comes to ava is i would say about 24 wow. uh, as i said most of them have their bachelor's and or their master's degree and they're coming to finish off their voice and and learn how to prepare a role so they're leaving here you know somewhere uh at the age of 28 to maybe 31 something like that I'm ready to go out and get a job, but they're young, you know, they're, they're, we are training people in their mid twenties because it, in that time frame, there's a lot of transition and they need to get their voice settled and figure out some people in their mid twenties find out that their voice is completely changing oh, from wow. one to the other, you know, a soprano will become a mezzo or the other way around a tenor may go to baritone or the other way around. So mm. it's in the twenties that those things happen and you have to manage it properly if you're going to be able to sing going forward. So that's, that's what we're dealing with the changes in the, the 20 something to 30 year old voice um, and, and help it be finished and, and technically sound. Yeah. 
I always have a sports analogy for an organization or something, and, and basically the sports analogy I have for the AVA is it's it's like the all-star team for the minor leaguers who are going to be yeah. major league, potentially yes. Hall of Famers. Yeah, we're, we're trying to train the future opera stars of, of the world, the star, opera stars of the future, so... And we've had many success stories. Um, a lot of the young, up-and-coming opera singers now have come from AVA. And we're very proud of, of all of them and, and their achievements. And we're looking for the next set of uh, you know stars of the future that we can train and, and send out in the world to, to make beautiful music. Wonderful. Well, I want to say thank you, Val Starr, Dean of Students for the Academy of Vocal Arts. Thank you for talking with me today. It's always a pleasure to see you. For those listeners out there, go to www.avaopera.org for the AVA's website. They have an Instagram and Facebook account, AVA Opera or Academy of Vocal Arts. For opera fans who want to catch a great show or for adventurers who like to try something new, seriously, you should check out the AVA's upcoming performances and operas. They have beautiful costumes, world-class talent. The AVA performances regularly moves the audience in, in powerful ways, and there really is something for everyone to enjoy at the performances here. So again, thank you so much, Val Starr, for, for sitting with us at Behind the Blazer. I'm your host, Scott Sempier, and thank you for listening. This has been a podcast of Behind the Blazer, the official podcast of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. To buy tickets for the next performance, support, hire the choir, or audition, go to our website at phillyboyschoir.org.